Amen. Hey, church, how you doing? You guys are awake today. This is beautiful. Uh, annual meeting is after church, so if you're going, raise your hand if you're planning on sticking around. Beautiful. Um, if you don't want to stick around and you still want some chili, go down and get some. It's okay. Um, and uh, as we get started here, like, like I did this a couple weeks ago, and I just want to do it again because there's practices that we need to do as we follow Jesus. And I find that like this is something that's been on my heart is corporately, like, we need to practice together, right? And I feel like in the past, since the new year, COVID's up, things are happening, people's lives are uh, beautiful and good, but also filled with struggles. And so I want to invite you this morning, before we get into the, the heart of the sermon, I want to invite you just to rest. Like whatever you came in with, good or bad, hold it in your hands. Whatever struggle you are carrying, whatever stress you are carrying, whatever questions you're carrying, whatever doubts you are carrying, hold it in your hands. Go ahead, do it. I want to read a psalm for us, and I want to invite you just sit back in your chair. Hold that stuff in your hands, whatever it is. Basically, whatever it is you can't control, which is most things. Right? Let's be honest. And I want to read this psalm. And towards the end of the psalm, I want you to just open your hands and give that stuff to Jesus. All right? Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the most high dwells. God is within her and she will not fail. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice And the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he's brought to the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord God Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. So just take a moment and pray in in silence. And just release all those things in your hands. Where have you trusted in our natural world? When that trust really needs to be in God, release that. Where have you trusted in our political systems? And our trust really needs to be in God, release that. Where have you trusted in your own ability to produce, to make things happen, to manipulate, to stress out about things that you can't control. Release all those things to God. Because the invitation is to be still. to cease the striving, to cease the trying, to cease strategizing, to cease manipulation, to cease and let God and be in Jesus. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we praise you. We praise you that you are faithful, that you are good, that you are full of mercy and grace and love and you're also full of truth and power. And in you, Jesus, we are free from things, but we are also free to things. We are free from needing to do it on our own. We are free from needing to produce everything. We are free from all the striving and trying to make things happen and stressing out. And, and we are free from so much, but we are also free to, to trust in you, to have a relationship with you, to talk to you, to listen to you. 
to let you provide, to let you change hearts, to let you transform our church, our city, our nation, our world by the power of your gospel. So Jesus, I pray, you remind us to be still and know with our hearts and with our minds that you are God. Amen. Turn to your neighbor. And tell them to be still. Beautiful. We got to remind each other, right? We got to be with each other, right? There, I just went to a pastor's conference this last week, and a lot, of, a lot of what actually happened at the conference was us pastors talking to each other, reminding us to be still and let God be God. Like reminding each other that our primary job is to abide and remain in Jesus. God will take care of all the rest. Jesus will take care of all the rest. The Holy Spirit will work and take care of all the rest. But sometimes as we follow Jesus, we need to remind each other of that, right? And point each other to the source. Um, This church uh, was founded about seven-ish years ago. Uh, Emily and I and Mitch and Amanda together with another team, a group of people. Uh, Emily and I, Mitch and Amanda, moved from Red Wing, Minnesota, came here to plant this church. Thank you. One person's excited. (laughs) Killing it. Uh, We came here to plant the church, and man, it's just been amazing to watch the church grow. To watch the church go through seasons. Like there are so many miracles that have taken place. So many things that we've just sat back and been like, Jesus, only you can do that. Like this building is one of them. Amazing story. We were looking all over the city for a year. Searching, touring buildings, trying to find out what to rent. Couldn't find a thing. We almost bought uh, the old boys and girls club downtown. We're a week away from closing on it. And the funding got pulled. And that was hard. But then a little while later, I toured this place. First Baptist Church. And as I toured, we walked through. It it, it was a church uh, that had about 20-ish people, all 65 and older. And so I toured and I said, can we rent some of this space, any of it? Like, we just need a place to be. Our place on, uh, it's now the Shake Shop on Graham Avenue, the protein shake shop. Um, we were in there, very, it was like 
the size of one of these sections of pews. So we were in there. We needed something new. We had to. And I think I came to the congregation and announced like five times, hey, we're moving, we found something. And then I come back the next week and be like, sorry, that fell through. If you were there at that time, you remember, you're like, what, what are we a part of? I don't understand. Like, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. It's okay. We toured this place, and, and afterwards, I sat in the pastor's office, Pastor Lloyd, and, and I said, well, can we rent it? And he goes, well, we're, we're meeting on Sunday to decide whether we should sell it or not. I said, how much are you thinking? We were going to buy the Boys and Girls Club for $365,000. That would have been a mistake. <laughs> Lloyd said, well, we're thinking about one eighty. Is that all right? I was like... I'll buy it right now. <laughs> I don't know how, but we'll figure it out. I'll buy it. So he went back to the, their congregation. They said, if you turn in a letter by the end of the week, we'll, we won't put it on the market. We'll just sell it to you. They met, decided to sell it to us. And I'll never forget, downstairs, we'd brought some families through to tour the space. And the, the kids are running around being crazy after church. And one of the moms goes, man, I'm, so, I'm sorry, my kids are a little crazy. They're like, it's lunchtime, they're tired, they were, just came from church, like, they're being a little crazy. I'll never forget, tears in his eyes. This is exactly what we're praying for. For this building, this church to be alive again. For this church to be a beacon for the city. They used to say that uh, college students, um, I know none of the college students here would ever do this, but college students would drink a little too much on Water Street, and if they lived in this direction, they would look for the steeple lights to guide them home. <laughs> and I just thought it was beautiful. And uh, like he said, hey, I just want this to be a place, a beacon in the city in Jesus' name. For Jesus. For the people in our city. Even if it's the college student that needs help getting home. And I, like, there are just so many stories that are, that are so beautiful and profound. And I want to talk about this morning just briefly, uh, like our our seed verse, our Zara verse. And it's Acts chapter 19. So if you have your scripture, if you have your Bibles or phones, go ahead and turn there. But as we were planting this church in the very, very early stages, the dreaming stages, uh, we went to this training and they said, hey, every church needs to have like this foundational verse that they keep coming back to. That keeps reminding them of the mission and the vision of the church. And I remember I thought I was doing it wrong because I didn't have just one verse. I had a whole chapter. And I remember asking, like, is this okay? I got a chapter. That's what I want. That's what I pray for. That's what I dream of. When I think of what Jesus can and will do. So Acts chapter 19, let's look at it. Paul, through the New Testament, through the book of Acts, we see Jesus 
say, go, make disciples. He dies, crucified, rises again, comes back, proves that all this is legit, all this is real, and reminds his followers, hey, remember what I told you about going and making disciples? Yeah, I was serious about that. Go and make disciples. Start in your community. Move to your city. Move to your state. Move to the nation. Move to the world. That is your job as you follow me. There is no getting around it. If you are following Jesus here this morning, we have a job. Go and make disciples. So we see the early church start to do that. We see him start to go out and preach in the city. Go out and preach in the jobs. Go out and preach as they're walking around the, along the road. They're seeing the Holy Spirit bring people into their midst that, that are already prepped, already ready to hear the gospel. And all they got to do is just say, Jesus. And lives are transformed like that. And then we see all those people that give their lives to Jesus, to follow Jesus, start to gather together and start to create this thing that we call churches. And they commit, Acts 2, day by day, we are going to pray together, we are going to read scripture together, we are going to eat meals together, we are going to live life together. If somebody has a need, we'll take care of it. Because I have, like God's blessed me with all this stuff, and, and, and I have plenty And all of it's his anyway. So as I give, I will receive. So so a need pops up, I'm going to give to it. Yeah, I got extra. I could sell this car. I could sell whatever I have. I don't need it. I have extra. I'm being blessed here. They're praying together. They're reading scripture together. They're gathering and worshiping. They're going out into the community and reaching people. And they're doing all of this while there's great danger for their lives to do so. Not danger in that, I'm going to post this post about Jesus and I'm going to get some dislikes and and I'm going to get some people saying crazy things and I'm going to get somebody saying, oh, that's not true, I can't believe that. And I'm going to get some people being like, you're dumb, that's wrong theology, you got to go this way. And, And all these things, that's not persecution. That's not us following Jesus and our lives could be in danger. Let's just remind ourselves of that. They would let nothing stop them. Nothing get in the way. And Paul, miraculous story, where he would be the one persecuting Christians. And Jesus one day said, no, that's enough. You're now mine. And Paul transformed his life and made it about preaching the word. Going around, visiting cities before there were churches. Going around and gathering these people that were following Jesus and creating a church and then moving on and then creating another church. The, old, the New Testament letters are Paul's letters to the churches that were started. So in Acts chapter 19, we have this beautiful story that is the beginning of the Ephesus church. Now the Ephesus church is the church that we have 
the most scripture about. There's a letter called Ephesians written to the Ephesus church. That is Paul's letter to the church that he started. And I love the story of the church of Ephesus and how it started. See, Paul landed on the scene. Ephesus was this epicenter. The center of cultural life. The the center of commercial life. The center of religious life. And it was a city of about 225,000 to 500,000 people. And Paul drops into the city and just starts preaching. He finds some disciples. He baptizes them. He starts teaching them. And then we find in verse uh, 8. Paul entered the synagogue. So Paul would go into the religious places where religious people were, even though they weren't following Jesus. He would go there and talk with them. Preach to them. Argue with them. This is part of the cultural thing of the day. Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. So Paul, for three months, would go to the synagogue and preach and argue and reason and try to get them to see who Jesus is and what the kingdom of God is that's coming down and touching earth. Some of them got angry. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. The way is what they referred to as Christ followers. The way. So they became angry. They became, started making trouble. And so Paul goes, fine. You guys are obviously not ready to hear. So he took the disciples with him. This is part of his discipling the disciples. He took them with him and they went to the hall, the lecture hall. Completely secular place. They're going and they're just preaching and teaching and talking to people about Jesus. Some would say that this right here was a blessing for the gospel. That Paul started in the synagogue, people that were more religious minded, but wouldn't hear the message. You can be following a religion and completely miss Jesus. I think them getting angry was actually a blessing to the gospel because it drove Paul into the secular places. It drove Paul into the other places. Because sometimes religious people think they have all the answers. Or maybe religious people are satisfied with the answers they found. But it's interesting because Paul goes out to the second place and just starts preaching, just starts reasoning, just starts talking to people about Jesus. And I think what he finds is that there, the people are hungry. They don't think they found like this answer. This is new to them. The name of Jesus is new to them. And the power of Jesus is new to them. This went on for two years. 
two years, Paul's preaching. Two years, the disciples are building relationships. They're loving their neighbor. They're, they're serving. They are having conversations in the marketplaces. They are out in the community serving. Boldly speaking. And living in such a way that is countercultural to the time. Two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Like some of these verses we just skip past, right? They preached until everyone in the region heard the name of Jesus. Are we going to preach so that everybody in Eau Claire will hear the name of Jesus? Are we going to serve? Are we going to love? Are we going to talk? Until everyone's heard the name of Jesus. That's at least around 40 to 45,000 people in our city. I don't know who Jesus is. Or if they do know, they aren't following What if we had that heart? <clears throat> we are going to go out and demonstrate the kingdom of God. We are going to preach until everyone has heard, heard the name of Jesus. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So they even handkerchiefs. God even used handkerchiefs. They had been touched, were taken back to the sick, and their illnesses were cured, and their evil spirits left them. So God's power was on display. One thing that you should know is power in the city of Ephesus was very important. There were political ways of gaining power. There were spiritual ways of gaining power. Uh, one of those questions, do I have the picture of, uh, yeah, Flash. They would carry around in their pockets something called amulets. And these amulets were little statues that they would carry around. And these statues were the gods that were associated with the city. And so whatever power they wanted, whatever thing they wanted in their life, they would carry it around in their pocket. They'd go buy it, carry it around, put it in their pocket. So if I wanted to be really, 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 really fast, I would go buy a Lego of flash and I would put it in my pocket and I would believe that as long as I carried this around my pocket someday I could run fast you might think it's silly but we do this all the time right I believe this was the answer to my life I believe this attention I believe this uh, these followers I believe this job I believe this relationship I, b- I believe something else other than Jesus will be the answer to my life we do this all the time it's kind of a human thing and so power was very important 
If you read through Ephesians, Ephesians 1.9, his incomparably great power for us who believe. Ephesians 3.16, I pray out of glorious riches, he may strengthen you in power. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power. Ephesians 6.10, finally be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Throughout the letter to the church, the church is trying to combat this idea that you can get power from something other than Jesus. You can find healing from something other than Jesus. You can find freedom through something other than Jesus. So Paul is continually trying to counteract this message and go, no, no, the real answer is in Jesus. And so in the city of Ephesus, they're preaching. Miracles are happening to display the power of God. And people are coming together. Verse 18, many of those who believe now came openly and confessed what they had done. They confessed they were living according to all these other things. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of their scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, or about a day's worth of wages. In this way, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. So what do we see here? We see the people that were following Jesus committing to going out and preaching. Going out and living life differently. We also see as they did that, the Holy Spirit showed up and miracles happened and all sorts of things happened. So people outside of the way saw something different. Saw something that they needed. And started coming to Jesus, coming to the way, confessing. Getting rid of all the things that they put their hope in before. All the things they were turning to to power before. They were getting rid of it. Burning it in the fire. And this had monetary value. They were getting rid of all the little statues that they carried around their pockets. All they carried around the home. All the sources of power they would go to before they were getting rid of because they realized that Jesus was the way. And this is what we call discipleship. Growing in a community of people in the way of Jesus. Getting rid of the things that we're turning to. Living our lives differently. Having a different set of priorities for our life, a set of a vision, a mission to our lives. And it happened so much that there was actually a riot in the city because the people that made these statues got a little angry. Nobody was buying their statues anymore. So the monetary source of income that was supposed to, used to be coming 
dried up. So they started a riot against the church. My hope is that someone starts a riot against the church in Eau Claire. I don't know what that looks like. I don't even know if that's possible, but that'd be awesome. So what's my hope? What's my prayer? As we sit in this chapter, as we keep coming back to this chapter, as the worship team comes up, my hope and my prayer is first that you and I would come to Jesus and that we would confess and that we would take seriously the way of Jesus. That we would become apprentices under Jesus. And then we would take that seriously. This isn't a hobby on a Sunday morning. This is the way of life. And that we would go out and evangelize. Not in weird ways, <laughs> but go out and be aware of who Jesus is putting around you. Because Jesus is putting around you people that need to hear about him. And I pray that as we follow Jesus, as we live differently, as we grow in our discipleship, as we become apprentices of Jesus, that the natural outflow of that would be telling more people about him, showing more people who he is, and that would result in a fundamental change, even in our city. Do you believe it? Do you believe that that can happen? Let's pray. Jesus. Stir in our hearts. Stir in our minds. Jesus, if, if any of us in this room aren't following you, Jesus, I pray that we would take that step and trust you and follow you and give our lives to you. Even if we've been coming to church for a long time. Jesus, if we do follow you, I pray that you continue to mold and shape our lives, mold and shape our hearts, mold and shape our hearts, our minds, as we follow you. In your precious name we pray, amen.